Rogers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Our final Jason Jones from the mothership and Jerry Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick from 90.9 The Game, Jerry Soccer all the time is over there. Kurt Castle on the intro of the song is Chances. You can check him out on Spotify. Joe Patrick, Rocky Mountain Cry. Cry? Uh, that's pretty Rocky good. Mountain cry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I like it. I can dig it. I, that's all I got. I definitely felt. And I that's mean, the I show, definitely, folks. Thanks for. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> We're, well, let's all go cry now. That's how. That's what I felt like doing after that game, even during the game. <laughs> Let's be honest. Maybe even Dang. before the game. <laughs> you know that that maybe maybe before the game more than anything because of the whole Ozzy Alonso situation, which we're going to talk about. But I got I got to kind of set the table for the context of me watching this game, which was I was at my parents' house and basically I had commandeered the living room TV to watch the game, and so every well, just my parents were just stuck sitting there watching an MLS game. Not just, well, not just an MLS game, but like Atlanta United playing on the road in Colorado. I was having to explain to my dad how Stan Kroenke doesn't doesn't invest in the team. And that's why there's bare patches on the field. And, uh, you know, the, the and the, how the Rapids are outperforming, uh, won the West Conference last year. And um, and we suck. But I don't know. It was it was it was not good. We don't suck. I was just uh, my dad. It was actually very interesting to pick up from my dad. Uh, his 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 insights on the game, what he was taking in, which was that um, the teams could not control the ball very well. Yeah, well, it's just like we talked about with Jeff Lerowitz on our Patreon interview this week, Joe Patrick. It's hard. It's hard when you get to that altitude. You, you don't quite know where the ball's going uh, quite as well also, as you do when you're on like normal land. Yeah, it's also a lot harder to do that when you're missing like a front six that most MLS teams would maybe not most, but a lot of MLS teams would kill to have. If you just like think about the players who are out or at least not in the starting lineup, Marcelino Moreno, Tiago Amada, Luis Araujo, Santiago Sosa, Ozzy Alonso, Franco Ibarra. I mean, that's a three. That's the front three, three of a four, three, three. That uh, would be incredible. So, um, yeah, it's hard to really it's, I mean, it's hard to really it's hard to really take away a lot when when of like long term um, insights because so many players were were not playing. I actually thought Atlanta played decently without without the guys that they were missing. Obviously, they were fine. They got burned a couple times yeah. against a team they probably shouldn't have got burned against. Colorado scored on every chance they had basically essentially. Right. And at the same time, they were high percentage chances. Right. This was a team who hadn't scored in over three hours by the time they did score, right? Like it, it had been a second and it's kind of a bummer that Atlanta was the team to kind of be the, the hot wheels, spinny wheels on the track that suddenly send the car flying at fast forward all of a sudden in the loop de loop. That was Atlanta United's midfield essentially. And this one without Ozzy Alonso, they, they made things not only easier for Colorado, I think, but like jettison them forward to a place they hadn't been (laughs) before. It was a struggle bus. The way I've kind of described it uh, in a piece that hasn't come out yet is that once this midfield lost its duct tape, it really came apart really quickly. (laughs) True. And that was Ozzy Alonso. Yeah. Ozzy Alonso was the duct tape. Very good way to describe Ozzy. 
Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, I mean, he really does keep the parts together. That's like that was essentially what Jeff was talking about uh, in the interview with, that we did with him last week, which is that he's always there to kind of cover those spaces and there to kind of mm-hmm. keep the midfield connected. And they just didn't have that as fun as it was sometimes to see George Campbell storming up the field and like <laughs> and like going in super hard into a challenge high up the field. Um, yeah, you could just tell, you know, the positional difference was a very apparent versus what Ozzy Alonso presented to the team last week. Yep. And it, and it brings up your larger point that it's tough to really take away a whole lot from this one when so many folks were missing. I think we can maybe talk about and maybe question some of the reasons for them missing, which we'll get into later. And I just have I don't have any like theories or, or real general opinions on it. I just have questions mm-hmm. that I think should be answered eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. But it it's just difficult right like this is one of those things where we may just kind of chalk it up and say all right this was the weirdest game of the year at altitude early in the season with half the team missing and at the same time you know what Joe patrick they still look like they had ideas more ideas than they had than large points for most of the last two seasons right this wasn't one of those weird like 0.3 xg games they almost got a full yeah. goal worth of XG, which <laughs> is like not double great. The normal when half, you're missing six the normal people. is the half goal XG. <laughs> now they're at full goal XG on a bad game. So that's a that's you know twice mm-hmm. the improvement. I'm glad you mentioned the altitude thing because that was another thing I was thinking about during this game with regards to the conversation that we had with Jeff, which totally surprised me and was great insight from him talking about playing in that stadium and how like the ball actually comes at you quicker and it's like harder to judge balls in the air because of that because of that thin air. And Alan Franco got beat on a couple balls, you know, that were just, you know, over the top crosses. And I wonder if it was that thin air that was kind of having him misjudge the flight of the ball. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but I I was just thinking about it when Jeff said that. I mean, it's not an excuse like Alan Franco has got to do better there. That's the whole reason he's there pretty much is to be able to deal with those kinds of balls. But I am wondering if the altitude caused him maybe to, to not read those as well as he might have otherwise. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily like a multiplier. It's more like an addition to like the difficulty yeah. level. You know, I, like you said, there's no real excuse for him to be beat kind of like he was. But we'll talk about all in that and more in just a few moments. But first, we got to we got to talk about some business and the business time is not going to be super fun with this one. Uh, we'll go there now into the fun flight oh, of the no. concords and show <laughs> crap. We may need to change that for this. Uh... The, the REM, this everybody hurts. Everybody cries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, this is time. Joe Patrick. Uh, shit. This was <laughs> this uh, um, an unpleasant surprise on a Saturday afternoon. We're all waiting for the game to start up. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to go ahead and, and explain kind of your point of view of, of how this kind of went down. And yeah, I mean, well, I don't, actually, I don't know anything. I just know I'm going to repeat it here from Atlanta United. They put out a press uh, a release um, Friday or Saturday at about three o'clock. So about four hours before the game it says in consultation with a team cardiologist, Osvaldo Alonso will be withheld from team activity for precautionary reasons. While the club awaits additional test results, the club will provide an update on the player status upon further review of those results. And what was weird to me, I don't know if this was, um intentional or not but like <laughs> it just says like he will have a review of the so i guess if you're seeing a team cardiologist i guess that explains that it's an issue with the heart but um there's just still a lot of open questions like why would you see a cardiologist 
Why do you see a cardiologist? I don't know. Yeah. Like you, do you have a heart? Do you have, was he having chest pains? Did he did he have a little yeah, you yeah, know wonder. health monitor thing on his wrist that was saying he had like low blo- oxygen level? I don't I don't know what it was, but I mean it's never good that uh, someone would like see a, a team cardiologist. So they always you know it's one of those words they just they always say precautionary. I mean to me it's just like cautionary uh, because I'm pretty worried about it. Like I don't know, it just seems very out of the blue yeah. for it to not to be something to be concerned with. The the only good thing about it is that it was yeah, caught. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Something truly bad happened, you know? And maybe maybe it was a bad test, a bad reading. I, I don't know what to expect from this, but I guess for now we can yeah. remain hopeful that, that he'll be able to continue at some point this year. Uh, but for now, it's kind of hard to not be... Uh, relatively pessimistic when you when you hear things like this because it is such a, a serious thing and not something you right, ever really yeah. want to want to test. You know, you, you you don't want to find out if your heart can handle certain things. Um, so wishing Ozzy the best. And I heard this, that obviously for, for so I, I, I want to attribute where I heard this and I can't remember. Um, but he the, this tests I guess whatever whatever tests he had with the cardiologist what happened Friday morning. Uh, so that would have been when they were still at the training ground before they flew. So just a little bit of context for it. But I mean, I expect him to be out. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if he's just like, all right, the test, like everything came back. All right. And he's going to play against Charlotte. You know, um, I would not expect that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, hell, by the time a lot of people are listening to this on Monday, um, maybe the team will have said something about it already. I I hope so. I hope we get some news on it. Um, I don't expect it to be good news, but I just kind of. You know, it's like burning me up. I just like want to kind of know uh, what the situation is, you know, because it's serious. Yeah. It, and I'm sure it was a hectic couple of hours there for uh, because he traveled. Am I right in saying that? I know. I think the he test was, was Friday. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he traveled or not. I don't know. Maybe somebody could tell us. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the, the update that he would not be with the team for this one came late. In the day on Saturday, um, so it, we were all kind of expecting Ozzy to start, and then this comes down pretty suddenly, and he's not there, right? And it caused Atlanta United to make adjustments, and we'll talk about all of those and more right here in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports prime game time, 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 Joe Patrick, and we've already been talking about it a little bit, but from my point of view, this was pretty doomed from the start as soon as Ozzy wasn't available not that george campbell did necessarily a bad job he was put in a near impossible situation but what ozzy offers is just so critical to to everything this team did mm-hmm. last week and is going to try to do and to just simply be an outlet and a presence and a ball winner and everything they needed him to be this week and not have that there it it's no surprise, I guess, that Atlanta kind of got torched. I mean, in a way, uh, th- this game where Atlanta United played without him kind of proves how valuable he was 
in the win against Sporting Kansas City when they did play because you saw mm-hmm. the difference in the team. Um, about the team selection, I want to note one thing in particular, in particular, which is that I'm like heartened by the fact that uh, Gonzalo Pineda decided to stick with a 4-3-3, despite the fact that I think the conventional wisdom was that, OK, well, if you lose this very key midfielder of Osvaldo Alonso, uh, who's your deepest lying midfielder, and you played with the back three all year last year, even though it wasn't great. And especially down the stretch, you know, the more you played it and it got worse and worse. Um, still, you would think that you would just kind of revert back to that because it's something that most of the players are familiar with, et cetera, et cetera. But he stuck to his guns and he took the player that would play in that back three, George Campbell, and said, you know, play in that midfield role, which is something that he's experienced from a little bit. I mean, he's played there as a youth. Uh, he kind of has fallen further back and back as he's gotten older in terms of his where he is in, on the field. Um, so credit to him for going out there. But, you know, it was just one of those things where you kind of knew it was doomed. Like you knew that the team was going to be. Not as strong tactically, uh, just as soon as you heard the injury news about Osvaldo Alonso, because you knew that there wasn't a player that could just come in for him with all the injuries they have. And you know what? If this has happened last week, yeah. they may have been fine still because sporting Kansas City's True. midfield yep. was miserable and, and is not that great. <laughs> Right. But when you look at this Colorado team, it's largely nameless and faceless to anyone who doesn't get paid to watch MLS for a living. And even still, ask me to name the entire <laughs> roster again. I probably couldn't. I'll stop in my head. But you look at a midfield of, of Mark Anthony Kay and Jack Price, and you immediately recognize okay, they have a significant advantage in the middle of the field here. And that matchup was always going to suck. It was always going to be difficult for Atlanta United, uh, especially as we kind of learned that maybe they're not super great at defending set pieces too. Colorado scores more set pieces than anybody. It was always going to be a real struggle for this team. And Ozzy being out made that tenfold more difficult. And it was just not going to end well. But I got to give the team credit because I think that maybe Mark Anthony Kay and, and Jack Price kind of understood that they were kind of going up against a very weakened midfield on the other side and were maybe a little bit over aggressive and maybe, you know, the result that they had in in the first match week maybe leads into that too, wanting to be more on the front foot at home after such a bad loss. Um, But I thought Atlanta United really kind of got in behind those players in the first like 20 minutes of the game. They were, I mean, it was quite open. It was actually a pretty entertaining game for those opening 20, 25 minutes or so, because um, again, I think Colorado just came out pretty aggressive and Atlanta was able to, to find some, some open spaces there. But as the game wore on, especially once Colorado got the first goal, then things really set in for Colorado and the way that they would want the game to be played, which is for Atlanta United to have, you know, two thirds of the ball and for them to just kind of, you know, try to hit them on the counterattack as much as they could. Um, and unfortunately for Atlanta, it just kind of played out like that. That's what the game settled into. Yeah. Two thirds of the ball is exactly right. Uh, 64% possession for Atlanta and 36 for Colorado. So you're exactly right. Play kind of right to, to what they wanted to do. They executed it well. And that just happens sometimes. But I mean, you're exactly right that we shouldn't stray from giving Atlanta credit here because I mean if we think about it and we think back to Atlanta's best moment of the day probably and their first moment of the day Tyler Wolf nearly scores he really really did he it just got kick saved yep. by William Yarborough you know and that goes in 
he doesn't get a foot to it for sure then this game changes drastically it, it was inches there you know and that's kind of remarkable for a team that would have would have probably <laughs> had the same score mm-hmm. line last year but mm-hmm. done it uglier i guess if that makes sense it, to whatever to whatever that's worth i'm not sure how much value yeah, that it definitely felt like a game it, could have been a, it was a game state game like it was it was a game where i thought atlanta united was the better team up until colorado scored and then i thought colorado kind of grew into the game and then colorado had the real the cherry on top for them was for atlanta to go in at halftime you know have a plan you know we're down one we're gonna do this 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 you come out for halftime and you get scored on right away for a two goal lead. And that just makes things twice as difficult <laughs> to do what you want to do. And it kind of scrambles a lot of what you may have talked about at halftime. So, um, and, and you know what also it just concerned me to, to see them give up that goal straight after halftime, because it's exactly what they were all lamenting uh, after the season ending loss to NYCFC and something that just plagued them in general, I think last season, which was, you know, switching off at times, not being kind of switched on for the start of a half or the start of a game or something like that. Um, so for that reason, I think it was, you know, disappointing and concerning. You see, Andrew Gutman was already giving like the. We we nearly had him except for like a couple moments. Quote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which except is what we did. Which is what we heard a lot last year. Which is <laughs> like if we didn't shut off for those two moments, we would have been fine. But y'all mm-hmm. kept. <laughs> shutting off for those couple of moments and it's not super encouraging but the new guys are already like yeah no i think this is this is how this this works you know so i i do wonder i do wonder in this case if maybe he's like covering for alan franco because it was kind of his fault <laughs> we should talk about that and i think we already kind of mentioned a little bit that altitude can mess with you a little bit at the same time man it just looks rough and it's so interesting to me because remember last year alan frank franco started the year as well, I, I just called him Alan Franken, which is isn't right at all. But we can call that version <laughs> of Alan Franco, Alan like Frankenstein, right? Like it's not Frankenstein's monster, whatever. Yeah. Fuck it, it's not the correct version of him that we want to see. Uh, it's it's an altered version you by know, science and altitude and just being generally <laughs> lazy. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is, um, or I don't know if it's funny, but when the when the team was down two nil and. Um, all of a sudden he had like all the room to operate because Colorado was essentially just dropping back and playing in two banks of four and just staying behind the ball. Like those are like the moments that he is able to kind of show the most of what he is on the ball. I thought like, I thought he was good. And even like when the team went down to 10 men and he just feels like he's more <laughs> Leroy Jenkins style playing center back, <laughs> he's almost better. And that seems like the kind of game I always watch whenever I turn on an Argentine league game. It's just like players just kind of, going going yolo through through the center of the park around people mm-hmm. i thought that he did that a little bit toward the end of that game and it's a good technical skill but again obviously what we were saying earlier is that the whole point of playing central defenders to to deal with those aerial balls in and he didn't do that and when you don't do that that's usually really really important in a bad way right yeah no anytime you're getting murked by diego rubio you're not doing phenomenal things you know and, and I have confidence he can come back around and he probably you know? will he may just be this person just this just maybe this first game of the season exactly yeah. it, it may be one of those things where he just starts slow each year at altitude it takes a while to, to grow into it he you has know? had that track record yeah and formation change too is going to affect things it is kind of a, a perfect kind of concoction for Alan Franco to to struggle 
there. And uh, I, I'm relatively confident he'll pull out of it. You know, I just hope he does it quicker than last year. Yeah, hopefully he can pull out of it ahead of this <laughs> this game against Charlotte, because, again, that's the kind those are the kinds of mistakes where when you make those mistakes, a worse opponent beats you, you know, like a, an opponent mm-hmm. that you should have beaten beats you. If we and give up, a that's kind of what happened in this game. I quit, I quit all hmm? of this. If we give up a goal to Charlotte, I quit. Oh, I know. This. Yeah, just, you know, it's going to happen. It's, it's totally gonna, going to happen. If we're their first we'll, goal, I'm. tremendously upset (laughs) but i'm not tremendously upset about the fact that y'all had a lot of good questions uh we'll use that to kind of frame the rest of the show but first a quick break all right uh before we get back into the show did just want to give another shout out to lucid fc who sponsors this podcast um seriously like they help us do this they help us you know pay the bills essentially <laughs> let's be perfectly honest so um huge shout out to them we're very happy to be back with them and uh, they've got some awesome gear if you guys are new to five stripe final or the dirty south soccer podcast network where you were you will hear uh us do advertising for them uh, that is lucid footwear and clothing that's where the fc stands for and they've got a new kind of what they call a capsule collection out called lucid love that just released on the website um, it's really cool. They've got uh, it's a cool design with like a heart and their little uh, diagonal hashtag. I guess you would call it. That's the, their uh, that's what they call a, a mark uh, a logo, a markup logo, a lockup logo, something like that. Somebody in marketing can correct me on that. Uh, but they've got hoodies, hats. They even have a rug. Sam, do you know a that? rug? You can just buy a rug. That's cool. You can just buy a heart shaped rug with their logo on it from LucidFC.us. And if you go to LucidFC.us and you do buy that rug or anything else. You can use DSS uh, at checkout for free shipping. So there you go. Check if out our friends at Lucid FC. Lucid stuff and like sends a picture to us through like the Discord or Twitter or whatever. We'll give you a shout out and like a topic of your choice to talk about for like five minutes on the show or something. <laughs> yes. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Right. So have you seen the Lucid logo in the wild? <laughs> I've seen it. And I forget that it's kind of it, it's like yes, I have. a legitimate, like really popular thing. And so I'll be like, oh, do you listen to my yeah. podcast? And not remember that, like, oh, wait, Rihanna wears this crap. Unless right. Rihanna listens to the podcast. Yeah, Rihanna. Which, hello, Rihanna. Welcome to the 17th. Maybe. Maybe there are some other, like, really talented soccer players in the in the Atlanta area that could also wear Lucid FC. I think I've may have seen a picture of one of them in it. I don't know. You know, what's interesting is also I've been around town. And when I'm wearing it, like I'll wear like wear like a hat that has the logo on it. And people will be like, what brand mm-hmm. is that? Like, like people like I don't know if they, they think they recognize the logo, but it is just because it's a it's a good logo um, with the because it looks like a hashtag. It's, it's really good. Speaking of really good. These questions are really good. Now gushing on our sponsor. Five strike final. Let's get Speaking it really good. This question is good <laughs> from uh, the captain of the five strike final question brigade. Kurt Castle, who gets the first question every uh, week from here on out. I've just decided. He's like he's like the Doug Roberson. Yes. Doug always gets the first question in the press conference. He, Doug Roberson is the yes. media. Kirk Castle is to the five try final Kurt podcast. Ask, while I'm a little worried about Joseph, somewhat concerned about Gazan's performance. We we do need to talk about Gazan's distribution. Wait, real quick, let's just do it. Bad. In the <laughs> okay. in the conversation, <laughs> yeah, it's not good, right? Agreed. Yeah, maybe he plays his way into uh, shape. Yes, like somewhat Shaq concerned Kimberger. about Gazan's performance, and don't love Marcy still working around injured foot. I'm really not that concerned overall, though. Should I be more worried? And then he follows that up with, why not Gooder? 
and I think the reason you shouldn't be worried is the reason it wasn't gooder. You know, it, it, it's the injuries. It, it's the early season yeah, stuff. Exactly. It's the altitude. I'm I'm not panicking. Colorado is a good team. I know they were struggle bussing coming into this one, but they are a good team. They don't have a lot of weak links. They, they play quality soccer. Robin Fraser's really good at this. He's proved that over and over again. I am concerned that they gave up three goals to a team that doesn't score three goals that often, but it happens sometimes, I guess. <laughs> it seemed a little unlucky, all considered. I'm not panicking. I kind of I am I'm not panicking, but I am panicking because I'm not panicking about the results. Again, the game, as you just said, I could just repeat everything you said, but there's no use. You just it's just not the kind of game that you can use to take any anything away. But I just I just am concerned about this Ozzy yeah. Alonso situation. I mean, um, it's kind of like. You know, it's like a poison chalice or something, how the team lost uh, Lissandra Lopez last year for mm-hmm. some like bereavement, essentially, after his father passed away. And they thought they were going to have him to be the backup to Joseph all year, which, you know, really would have come in handy. But of course, you know, it's totally understandable why you wouldn't have him for that reason. And kind of same same with Ozzy Alonso. It could just be a freak thing. Again, we don't know the extent of the in, of the situation. Um, but it's just one of those ones that that's what has me concerned. Um, but I do want to uh, talk about one thing that Kurt brings up here, which is something that some other uh, people in the discord, the world famous five stripe final discord have talked about, which is Marcelino Moreno and how he still is like pretty gimpy. And, you know, he's been dealing with this foot injury now going back to well into last season where he missed several games down the stretch of last season. Um, they told us it was like a, he took a knock in training early in training camp. And um, was he healthy before that? Did he take a knock that kind of reaggravated something that was bothering him last year? I don't know. But regardless, it is it is worrying to not see him be fit yet after yeah, after all this time. Because he could have he could have felt a ton going 90 minutes. And this one, you know, yeah. And it's not even just about him being fit for this game, but it's about just like the way he's looked when he's been out there, which has been very effective in the sporting game, but just physically doesn't look like he's moving around quite in the same way that he used to, because he used to be a player that was extremely mobile. And that was kind of, you know, a big part of his game. And maybe he is just building up himself up from fitness, but um, it is something I am concerned about right, right now. But my DEFCON level is still way higher for Ozzy Alonso than Marcelino Moreno at this point. Or lower, yeah. I would. I guess you should say weird. the DefCon yeah, number exactly. is lower, which means it's more. <laughs> right, exactly. Who came over that? It's bad. Whoever, it's, who came up with that system? Ones that I, I can't remember what those are either. But uh, you bring up another topic, which we kind of have to discuss. We kind of frame it with this question from Pierce. It says, "Can you guys do a return timeline for each of the missing players? For example, I have no idea what Heinemann or Moraney's return timelines are." And the answer to this, Pierce, is no. We can't. <laughs> and that's very frustrating right now from a fan's perspective, from the team's perspective, I'm sure, from our perspective. I'm sure they have more idea than us, of course, but we just don't know at this point with so many of the players. We don't know what Marcy's dealing with, really. You know, we, we don't know what Heinemann's actual yeah. timeline is. He, he did kind of mention this sort of vague timeline, but yeah. we don't know what the, the real defined one is. You know, we don't know when these guys are going to be back from getting green cards and visas and whatever else they need. Right. Which is the thing I wanted to, I kind of teased this earlier in the show where I wasn't like about to spew a take on it or really have an opinion on it. I just have questions. I just have questions as to like why the process started 
late enough for this to, to bleed into the season when it did when no other team yeah. in the league is having yeah. this particular issue you know that's yeah. that's my biggest thing right now is why are these guys out you these were things that were planable right uh, unless there's something that we just don't know you would right? think. which is extremely possible in these kind of situations but it would be nice to have this questions yeah. answered i think at some point yeah, I mean, like what I don't get, and especially with like a guy like Franco Ibarra as in particular, because he he's really the one of of he and Santiago Sosa, he's the one who's would be able to play really right now. I don't know if Santiago Sosa is ready to play soccer yet. He was still doing a lot of individual training and stuff, but Franco Ibarra was with the team throughout the duration of training camp or most of it, and then at the very end goes to do the the international stuff. Now I don't know if that's a thing. If it's a thing where Argentina is like okay you can come in now like you mm. like you you can come in and we can process you now and it's going to you know take this amount of time or whatever that seems to make sense I hope that's what it is but again we just, it would be nice to get some of that confirmed as to yeah the timing of all of this but um Santiago Sosa probably wouldn't be able to play because of his sports hernia surgery uh, and I was just looking up Sam when do you think Emerson Hyman tore his ACL when do you think he got hurt or at least when we got the press release about it was it July it was June, June, okay, June 10th. So I, I, I the reason I want to kind of say that is because, you know, it feels like he should be back. It's like a, it's a new season. You know, the guy's coming back from his season ending. Cert, but like, you know, I know they're doing great stuff with ACLs nowadays. <laughs> uh, very impressment and present advancements in science and technology. But um, it has only been. What, nine months? As of right now, since that since he suffered the injury. So, I mean, I still think that we're looking at more of like a. Probably a midseason ish uh, type of return, maybe not midseason, but like May or June, you know, around around a year uh, for Hyman to come back and really get involved. Um, and I wonder if he'll like play for the twos and stuff before. I don't know. But um, he's still a ways. I, I just want to kind of put that out there. Franco Barra, I think, would be able to come back and play, as we said earlier. Um, don't know why he's not. Luis Araujo will be out for about a month. Diogo Amato will probably come back and play right away as well, uh, but he probably won't be 90 minutes fit. Uh, he is working with an Atlanta United staff member on his fitness down there in Argentina. Um, who else is injured right now? Ozzy Alonso, obviously, we don't Alonso, know. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that covers the, the main yeah. cohort. It's a weird thing to be out in the middle of the ocean with a lot of this at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like any other team is dealing with it around the league. Think, uh, this many guys and this many people just kind of floating. Yeah, not this many. No, not. To the New York City. I think Jason Longshore, I think I heard him say that um, Andre Shinyashiki would miss time. Maybe he was just like late in training camp with, with getting a visa, you know, getting the, the green card, um, which is <laughs> kind of funny because he's you know already been here for a couple of years. But that's when he came in. And I don't know if he played in week one or not for the Rapids, but um, that's why he was only used as a sub. He's kind of not fully fit yet. So I know that he missed some time for it, but it's brutal to have the shortages that Atlanta United has right now. And it's funny because I remember us talking about central midfield and, you know, our preview of it or review of last year. And it's like, well, you have, we have so many, there's so many players in central midfield and it's going to be so competitive. But right now it's like, who can play central midfield? Who George Campbell, it, right? get in there. <laughs> well, that brings a great uh, segue to this question from Sinchikaze, whatever. So should Pineda have pulled Franco and moved Campbell into his position and Aseto deeper in the midfield? I know picking a team yesterday was like Jenga. 
during an earthquake, but Franco honestly looked lost. Extreme writer points for Jenga during an earthquake being the, the metaphor or the simile there. It's very impressive. Uh, I, I thought it was the right move. When I saw the lineup come out, I went, yeah, that makes sense. All considered, considering who traveled, who they played with. I think you brought up a good point earlier, Joe Patrick, that it was good to see them stick with the back four, you know, mm-hmm. because it was such a, a difficult situation. You did kind of want to just kind of keep what you'd been working on all week, all training camp, really, and not shy away from it all of a sudden. It was the most you could do in that situation. And I don't necessarily know that any other personnel would have effectively changed the outcome of that game. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the bench, there's really no one who could play in that position. Like if you move uh, Rosetto deeper, then are you playing like a 4-4-2 with Dom Dwyer? Uh, and Joseph Martinez playing together. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what you would want to do, but I would definitely want three midfielders in there. So if you want three midfielders in there, the only other players that were, well, the players on the bench who I think we can assume are the ones who are available were Jackson Conway striker, Marcelino Moreno, not fit to play 90 minutes or start Mikey Ambrose, left back, Caleb Wiley, left back, Adam Dijon, center back, Aiden McFadden, right back on a short-term contract from the twos and Bobby Shuttlesworth. So there's really not a player that you really could have moved in. I think that Gonzalo Pineda did the best with what he had. Remember that starting lineup, we do kind of need to talk about Joe Patrick, even though we think it was the right lineup. We got to talk about Joseph, which is interesting. Is it just, uh, not quite the place I thought we would be two games in, especially after the first game where he did get two assists, but we talked about some of his difficulties there, but there's some things to discuss here and it brings us to this question from Joel B it's his thoughts on Joseph. It's too early to panic yet. Right. I don't think we'll ever see 2018 era Joseph again, but I take 2019 even after the ankle knee problem near the end of that season. And I want to frame that using this tweet from Seattle football who says not pinning this on him specifically kind of just don't know enough about the data and don't even know the precise value trade-offs here either. But Joseph Martinez tied for dead last in the league so far in runs into the box per game amongst forwards per second spectrum. Uh, of course, Teodoro mentioned sample size, etc. But it does kind of bring up a point that he's, one, playing a little too deep, in my opinion, too consistently, and two, just not making the runs at times. Atlanta just really struggling to get into the box. Overall, I think they're like, 21st and passes into the box mm-hmm. this year so far to either it's like 21st or 19th mm-hmm. it's still not phenomenal right even though they did a better job in that first game and even a better job in this game but we're still kind of stuck on the theme of the year which is get in the bleeping box and it hasn't happened necessarily yet and just has been a part of that are, are we seeing the the wayne rooneyfication of joseph martinez like is he just like going to become like this permanent like midfielder basically so it seems like this is my theory for all of this (laughs) right is that in his head he's decided this is what he Mm. has to do Mm. this is my theory this is not that at all this is my gut call my gut call is that there has been an overcorrection because he got hurt and someone said to him well it's probably best if you change Mm -hmm. your play style a little bit right which is somewhat true but he's taken that to mean if I do anything I tried to do before the injury, I might die. 
that is kind of where it's gone to. And, and that's the level of kind of overcorrection. I think we're seeing to some extent because he's just kind of it almost feels like he's actively trying mm-hmm. to not do Joseph mm-hmm. things at times, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. And it's not a terrible thing to have him drop back and be in the mm-hmm. play because yeah. he's pretty good at it. Yeah. Got, we saw the two assists last week, right? He, he can make things happen, but he's not going to be his most effective if he's hesitating to get forward because of this idea that he needs to drop back right. and be there. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the way that he played in the first few months of Frank DeBoer's tenure, where everybody was trying to do this very Dutch thing and like play like this, like very specific way where the striker drops in and the wingers cut inside and, you know, score the goals or whatever. And, um, and it didn't really work, you know, like everybody kind of got stagnant. Now, I don't think that it's necessarily at that point right now. I think that the team is just obviously dealing with a lot of injuries to key players. But I think what is most apparent right now is that, like Joseph Martinez is not just going to produce goals by himself. Like he needs another player in there to like dance with essentially in, in the final third. And it seems so far like Joseph wants to be the one who's providing for that teammate. Who's the one making the runs into the box again, pretty much exactly like the situation that we saw for the team's first goal of the season for when he uh, linked up with Luis Araujo. So um, I am uh, I don't know if concerned is the right word. I think it's real. I I mean, I think that this is a real thing that Joseph Martinez is not going to be that guy. Well, I mean, that seems obvious because we've been talking about that for a long time. Like he's never going to be the guy he was in 2018, making the sprints to the back post to get on the ends of, you know, through balls and and, and crosses and things like that. But, you know, I just I just do think that this is a reality that Atlanta United and Gonzalo Pineda are going to have to to figure a way around. And again, what Carlos Bocanegra was saying in the introduction of Tiago Almada um, seems to jive with that, like that he's a player who wants to get into mm-hmm. the box and shoot and score goals, and he can even play as a forward. So um, it is definitely something to keep tra- track of and something yeah. to, to keep an eye on for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, on Saturday, the support guys on the wings were, were Tyler yeah. Wolf and Brooks Linden. We're oh, fine. yeah, yeah, they were. Tyler continues to be totally acceptable and smart in how he plays the game, which is expected, mm-hmm. I guess, from a coach's kid, especially for a, what is he, yeah. 19, I think. What were your thoughts on Brooks yesterday? I enjoyed that he was up top. I mean, if you had something on top. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has so much more freedom when he's playing on the wing without kind of having the defensive responsibility. And I like it. You know, he, he definitely serves a, a role out there. Like, this is exactly when you want to use someone like that when you're missing these kinds of players and he's a very functional winger i thought um wolf i thought was just like a little uh just sloppier than he was in the the game against sporting uh just sloppier technically on the ball but mm-hmm. like you said he it just i don't know if it's being a coach's kid or whatever but he he's just always motoring around you know and just having that energy just kind of buzzing around is always really helpful and i think it was really kind of vital to some of the things that Atlanta United was doing very early in that game, especially. But, you know, I thought they did a good enough job as as good as could be expected for players in that situation. Um, But it's not the same kind of situation that Atlanta United has where you can just kind of get the ball to a winger, whether that's Julian Gressel or Brooks Lopez now, and he can just kind of hit a cross in for Joseph right into the back post and goal. You know, it's just he, he doesn't seem to be that kind of striker anymore. Net center and Atlanta United forward Brooks. You know, and that's one thing with those Tata Martino teams is they were (laughs) they uh, they were way way more direct than people gave him credit for 
or one to remember them as because they did keep a lot of possession. But when they scored goals, it was often a very direct route to goal with Joseph making those runs. That's kind of that was the whole kind of. He was really spearheading those attacks, and it's just different way to play now. Well, Brooks and Tyler, well, Tyler not, but Brooks part of the cavalcade of lineup changes that we had this weekend, and they're going to have to be another one, at least one more this weekend. Uh, we didn't talk about it. Miles Robinson did pick up a red card at the end of this one. Don't even really know what it was for. I'd kind of checked out. I, I forget how he got the first one. Apparently, it was some kind of deformative descent against the ref early in the game. Yeah, I didn't see I it either. No, but he won't be available for Charlotte. It shouldn't matter, quite honestly, because Charlotte <laughs> is Charlotte right now. It still doesn't have the the full swath of players they need. But we did have a question from Rob Ranker who asked, how is an Alan George backline going to work? And I think it's a good question because I can't necessarily see their skill sets lining up <laughs> super well. But it should be fine for I a think, game. I uh, think it's like one of those, like, they could both play really well, but it could also go. It's a, it's a more volatile uh lineup in terms of what yes. might happen <laughs> because both players are definitely mm-hmm. kind of more you're more mistake prone players than miles miles is probably the least mistake prone um player in the whole league so um yeah that's going to be a little bit of a worry and then again that it presents if you're pulling george campbell out of the that midfield spot into the into the back line who's going to play midfield for you in that game It'd be a great day for franco Obara to come back to to be able to play sure would Sure would. I got to think those guys are. Close. I hope so. Yeah. I just like got to. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, man, if they're not something, something's gone wrong here. Because this has been just been too long, man. I don't know how the legal system works, but it's been too long. <laughs> you mentioned Charlotte, though. The, an- another funny family story. I got a text from my brother last night who lives in Charlotte and he's like watching watching Charlotte uh, with these 75,000 fans. Pretty cool. I can just tell that they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> he also does not watch soccer. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they tried to power that team to any kind of semblance of cohesion. And it just didn't happen. It was very different from Atlanta's first game. But tough time to, to tough time to build a build a team through the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. But they also had like an extra year to do it. That's we, true. We won't get <laughs> yeah, into I'm trying it to too much. Play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will get into Joe Patrick rapid fire going on right now. World Let's Series champ Nick says this has nothing to do with game. But which of the four away kits is your favorite, and why is King Peach fourth on the list? I just want to say thank you, Nick, because it's a white T-shirt with orange trim. I don't get why people are like, Nah, man, the King Peach kit though. That's that's my second favorite. You're wrong. Yeah, the color isn't wrong. even really peachy. You know. It was just yeah, bright orange. Like Tennessee orange. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, why? I honestly why? loved how this kit looked. And I'm not a yeah, guy who will, like, like, give lots of plots. Kit. Well, I guess I'm pretty easy on kits, generally speaking. Not very critical. But I thought it looked good. The the green didn't look... Oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> Jonathan asked, do you find yourself counting how many forward passes Sosetti makes? He appears to have the skill to go forward, but not the confidence. You see the same in his game? question mark and i just want to say jonathan shout out to you for listening to the show it's the first time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ATL the running man at the end was awesome yeah yeah for sure i don't remember it but sure <laughs> atl greg one says just get- <laughs> just getting a green card now matter folks we are worrying about the international slots we normally tell you to not do that in the words of our friend football uh, but even he i think is starting to get 
a little bit worried about the international slots. It'll be fine. They'll be here eventually, but it's just annoying. Do you think the uh, the green cards slash international slots are pertinent to like what they want to do in the summer? Maybe it's weird why that like maybe they have to push for them right now. But why? Because I, I genuinely don't know. Like, it's not no. going to give them any sort of immediate benefit. No, I, I want explanations for all of it. Honestly, <laughs> we'll see. Shane says, I want answers. So we ain't back back, right? And Shane, yeah, we ain't, we ain't back yet. Not, not quite yet. Not quite yet. But I think they can be soon. Soon. Be patient. Whole team ain't back yet. They'll be back. Whole goal of XG. That's twice as good yeah, as they normally would be. We're, we're improving. We're improving. <laughs> ATL Greg One asks, sometimes I hear a thrashing around the dry leaves and assume it's a squirrel, but then it's a brown bird. What is that? That is a pinecone. Lark. Lark bird. I can't remember the name of the Colorado State bird after I did like a 20 minute Patreon episode about it. <laughs> so, you know what? Lark warbler, whatever it is. That was rapid fire. I wish I had a better answer for, for the bird questions. Oh, it's the old brown, the full 20 the minute brown whooping warble. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. This is a miserable one to, to talk about, to watch, to all of it. Hopefully next week will be better. Atlanta takes on Charlotte. It should be a could win. Could be worse. Could be raining. If you show up on the Patreon, it could be raining. Uh, it could be uh, interesting week at training. We'll have training updates from the training ground on the Patreon as well. At least we should, considering when they announce training times and everything like that. Patreon.com slash Fastrip Final. Check all of it out. Go follow us on Twitter. There's a great Jeff Lorenowitz interview on, on the Patreon. Definitely worth listening to. And go subscribe to the newsletter at MLSsoccer.com slash newsletter. Newsletter is legit go, quality. Go, go, go do that. Go do that. All right. Joe Patrick, anything let's, else before let's, we get Let's out here? leave and never think about this game ever again. Great. Bye, y'all. for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>